Hey, what's going on? This is David Avalon with another edition of the Breaking the Guard podcast with me and Robert Drysdale. In today's episode, we talk about the recent matchup between Damian Maya and Ben Askren, which got a lot of the BJJ world excited as they were saying BJJ has beaten wrestling. And uh, we chime in on our opinions on that matter. We also jump around all over the place uh, talking about different training mythologies, why wrestlers don't incorporate jujitsu as much into their game plans, and a bunch more. So go ahead and listen in. A word from one of our sponsors, which is the Kimura Trap System. If you know me, chances are you've heard of my Kimura Trap System, which is now over 11 hours in length and covering pretty much everything you would ever need to know about the Kimura. Whether you like to play from top or you're a bottom player, you have uh, excellent half guard or you want to be able to crush the half guard, the Kimura Trap System is going to help you maximize your use and really get a lot of mileage out of just using that one basic submission hold that everybody learns in the first couple sessions, which is the Kimura. The whole concept of the Kimura trap is using the Kimura as a grip rather than just a submission. Once you pick that up, then there's a world of things that you can do using the Kimura, hence why we call it the Kimura trap. And my system is giving you a step-by-step process of how to attack with this. And uh, we cover all sorts of positions from countering takedowns, from being on your back, from being on top, everywhere. Whether you're big or tall, short or small, doesn't make a difference. We can make the Kimura Trap system work for you. And we update it regularly. Like now, the original course was only, well, not only, but it was a hefty four and a half hours. But now it's over 11 hours as I teach new techniques and seminars. I upload it for free so you get access to all the latest up-to-date information with the Kimura Trap system that is continually evolving. So go ahead. You can check it out on my website, which is kimuratrap.com. And we have the course available both in DVD and online streaming formats. So you can get some free videos and get a teaser of what the course is about by visiting KimuraTrap.com. Hey guys, what's going on? David Avalon here with Robert Drysdale for another edition of the Breaking the Guard podcast. I was just talking with Robert about... This past UFC with uh, Damian Maya and uh, Ben Askren. And everybody on the internet's going, oh, jiu-jitsu versus wrestling. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu is on top I again. I really thought that was dead in like 2001, but apparently it's still a thing. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of insulting to Maya just to call him a jiu-jitsu guy also. Yeah. I think, in, in my view, he's a very well-evolved I think he's a MMA good wrestler. Fighter. Yes. Yeah. He is yeah. a very good wrestler. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, he's taking out guys down like Chael beautifully yeah. and then finished him right afterwards yeah. with yeah. the triangle. It was like a beautiful display of both wrestling and jiu-jitsu. He's taken down a lot of guys who are really good wrestlers too. Yeah. So I don't think that's exactly a, a, a fair comparison of it. The way I've always seen it was that Damien is at least uh, good in two fields, wrestling, jiu-jitsu. Yes. 
Jiu-Jitsu is obviously his a strong, strong player, suit, yeah. But he's also a very good wrestler. You know, his striking needs work, right? But I mean, you can only be good at so many things. You know, can, I, can I make a comment on yeah. the striking real quick before you jump and throw it back to you? I suspect this is what happened. I'm good friends with Damien. Like, we have a good relationship. It goes way back. So if it sounds like a criticism, it's, you know, it's only from a friend to a friend, of right? Course. But Damien has never had that kind of, like, knockout power. He's just not one of those guys, right? I don't either, for that matter or not. Like, I just never have been, like, that super powerful kind of guy. Those guys can accelerate a lot in a very short space of time, right? Uh, luckily for us, like, grappling is more about isometric weight distribution. So you don't have to be, like, a super powerful sprinter to make it a grappling. I think at some point in Damien's camp, because if you look early in his career, they were trying to make him a striker. Yes. And early in his career, there's a lot less wrestling. And he was trying to strike. And he was okay. His technique was fine. But yeah. he didn't have... If you don't have that knockout power, it's like one of those things where you can only outpoint your opponent. Correct. You know, you can't really, you know, he's not one of those guys that's just going to be dropping people left, right, and center. So I think at some point, either between him and his coaches, they went, you know what? Why don't we just get really good at what we're already good at? Yeah. You know, and the key element they're missing was outstanding wrestling. And I know for a fact that Damien put a lot of time into his wrestling. So, yes, to call him a BJJ guy, you're absolutely correct. It's, it's a bit insulting and, you know, kind of just not real either. It's just not, not the truth, not the case. For sure. You know, I mean, I see him and I see a guy with, and like you said, he's not an explosive athlete. You know what I mean, I, I think he's an athlete, but he's not explosive. And for a good striking, you need to be able to have that quick pop, you know, to get KO powers, not just being strong. You can see all sorts of bodybuilders that can't hit anything. Yeah. You know, you need that looseness, that explosiveness. So I think he has decent technique. You know, he still has a good jab. He can tag people up. But like you said, it's harder to put someone away if it's yeah. just not in your wheelhouse. But I, I saw, like, those earlier fights that he had, he wasn't doing as well when he started focusing on striking too much because it wasn't, like, his thing. And it was kind of like how they try to turn every wrestler into a kickboxer. When yeah. I was like, no, no, just stick with the wrestling. Just learn enough where you can add your wrestling in. Because yeah. to me, wrestling by itself is a complementary art. Yeah. It's not a finishing art. With yeah. the, the rare exception of knockout slams, which are few and far between, you can't really finish somebody with wrestling. You yeah. need either striking or your jujitsu yeah. to end the fight. You know, so with Maya having wrestling and then jujitsu, he can finish people. Yeah. Right. And he's shown he can very well. The problem I see with Ben is that he neither has grappling or uh, striking. He has wrestling alone. Yeah. So he doesn't have a reliable way of finishing somebody. Now he, of course, has some grappling skill. Yeah, yeah. You know, but his striking is pretty atrocious. Yeah, it's not what he's known for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you see, like the clip of him doing like a spinning back fist. It was like, yeah. holy Christ! And you look at him in the midst, and it's like, uh, and he's been incredibly successful too. Yeah, that's what's so crazy. Like, that's how good his wrestling is. Yes, his wrestling is yeah. really good, and his grappling game, even on the ground, is is heavily wrestling based. Yeah. Great, mind you, good control of pins and keeping people on their back, not allowing them to, to go to the guard. But it's really wrestling based, not finishing based. Yeah, right? it's very. I don't know how many TKO wins or submission wins he has. Uh, yeah, I, I, actually, I, would have to look I had a hard time. I never really followed his career yeah. that closely because he was fighting in one, and it just we weren't getting one consistency. We went online and looked for it. Like it wasn't, like, yeah. you know. But um, I know of his wrestling credentials. Uh, I know he's been very critical of BJJ in a lot of ways, and I wonder if he's just... I, I never know where the character, the person ends and the character begins. Yeah. Right? A lot of times you're saying stuff like that to get people like hyped up and talking about it and just to be 
And, you know, some people get a kick out of being, you know, being an asshole. Yeah. So, or being disrespectful. And that doesn't mean he's that way. I, I personally don't believe for a second he believes what he's saying. Or like, a lot of these critics of BJJ are believing it because they're constantly training it. Yeah. If you're training a triangle defense, you're training BJJ. Yeah. If you didn't believe in BJJ, this is how dumb this conversation is. If you didn't believe in BJJ, you would let your, your opponents put you in a triangle. You will let them put a ring <laughs> right. choke. It's, it's, that's how dumb it, this conversation yeah, exactly. is. Exactly. Like, no, you clearly you believe in it. You just don't believe you don't. You believe that your defense is better than that guy's offense. Right. You may have that belief. Yes. That's perfectly in tune with believing in the efficiency of BJJ. It's not contradictory. It's just that these guys they think I got out of a triangle. Your BJJ doesn't work. How many punches are thrown in a boxing fight? Yeah, how many of them knock them out? How, how yeah. many are knockouts? Does that mean a left hook and a right hand don't work? But if someone gets out of a triangle, see, clearly BJJ doesn't work. Like, the conversation is so stupid. It always irritated me because it gets so, you're, you're, not, you're not putting a lot of thought behind your criticism, right? And I'm not saying this has been, I don't think this is his case, but there has been some criticism as far as how BJJ is um, practiced and taught, and I, I agree with a lot of it, actually. I think that BJJ, in terms of methodology, is behind wrestling and judo. But you got to remember, you got to put, you know, in perspective why that is. Sports like judo and wrestling and boxing, they're Olympic sports. Yeah. And they have been for over 100 years, right? Or whenever the Olympics start. Like don't, 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 don't get that. I'm not going <laughs> to. I don't know. But, you know, let's say 100 yeah. years, right? So that means there has been government funding, consistent government funding into physiologists, the best, the best minds behind sport physiology, endocrinologists, you name it, uh, nutrition, it, money for testing. How can we make this athlete? Imagine the Cold War, the kind of investment that went yeah. into getting the Soviets to defeat the Americans and vice versa, right? So this raises the bar as far as the methodology very, very high. Now look at where BJJ grew up. Where was BJJ evolved, right, so to speak? It was outside of the judo bubble. The judo bubble, judo is very good in Brazil. They have really good judo in Brazil. But it's interesting that Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and judo, you would think there'd be a lot of cross training. You would think. From my experience, there's none. I never went mm. to judo club in my life. Now, some people have done that, but there's less than you would think, right? So as a result, BJJ is kind of like this, um, this ronin of a martial art. It didn't have like other, you know, other, it never had artificial funding. It was always very organic right, growth. Right. And it, it lacked like the, the, the know-how that these other Olympic arts have, right? So as far as methodology goes, I agree with Ben that BJJ people train jiu-jitsu I wouldn't say wrong. I avoid the word wrong, but it's more, it could be done better. I think wrestlers are definitely more, uh, they have better systems for training than, than Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu does. Yeah, and just to like chime in there, just in case you haven't heard Ben Askren's opinions, he was more talking about the criticism of training, not so much the art itself yeah, being flawed, yeah. right? So he was saying that the way that local clubs are training their athletes is very unsatisfactory in his yeah. opinion compared to like, a wrestling program yeah. or, or a more traditional program. So, yeah, I, I don't think those criticisms are off, but clearly he's not training enough on the technical side of things. Yeah, to, it, and it doesn't, I don't know, like, you see it a lot, especially with wrestlers, that, like, they are so gifted in their particular art, but they do very little or just, like, the bare minimum when it comes to learning, like, Other jiu -jitsu. Yeah, it's, like, it's interesting, yeah. Yeah, because you'll see, like, all the wrestlers, do put in a good amount of work on striking. Yeah. Right? Like, now, like, wrestlers are pretty good kickboxers now. You know, yeah. you got guys like Tyrone Woodley, Karun, uh, Usman. their hands are better than their wrestling. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm, 
assuming it's just coming because they're already athletic and yeah. explosive. If you're, if you're very successful in wrestling, chances are you're an explosive athlete and you're Correct. really well conditioned. So, and you have strong hips, which is a huge part of being a good striker, having good hips, right? Yeah. So, yeah, they're going to be able to strike well. I mean, Ben's probably the exception where he's not an explosive guy. Jake Shields never got good at striking. No, either. and Jake's you know, another guy yeah, who's not. Yeah, an, but it's the exception to the there's rule. There's exceptions to the rule, but a lot of the guys who are good striking crossovers yeah. are explosive. So, yeah, they can learn how to strike really well. And I think a lot of them will just get in. I think the UFC in particular wants that. Yeah. They want people to strike. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, the rules are lean that way. And the way, rules yes. lean that way, too. They come from boxing, too. Boxing impact influenced MMA yeah, a lot. So For sure. You know, and the round system and all Everything, that. Yeah. It works to that favor. And I think also it's just a reality. It's harder to get takedowns in MMA now when people are able to essentially move around the cage better and it's harder to contain them. And now people who know how to use a cage, which was once considered the asset to take people down, now it could be a great defensive tool. Yeah which could be a nightmare to take people down off if they know how to use it. So it's like, what's easier? Striking, right? And then I use my wrestling in a defensive capacity not to get taken down, so yeah. then I can throw hands. And, and a lot of people, I think, have the attitude like you're saying where they're like, jujitsu doesn't work, right? And like, it, once you learn basic defenses, it's hard to finish people, and it doesn't work as well. So don't put a lot of time into learning how to submit people. Learn defensively, which I really love it's that's showing jujitsu is working because yeah, they yeah. have to work. It's a they great respect way. it enough. Yeah, yeah they, <laughs> exactly. It's like people say like, oh, pressure points don't work. That's why we don't train the defenses. But if they did work and we're like doing like little yeah, yeah. maneuvers to prevent yeah, getting yeah. It's they up, because they work. Yeah, yeah right. So like you're yeah. working the defenses, so yeah. it does work. And that is jujitsu in itself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I think uh, the problem is they're saying the defense is much more effective than the offense. Yes. So they're like, we're wasting time trying to learn well, all this. the same thing with boxing. Yeah, they're like, we're, we're, we're wasting time working too much on the offense. Let's just focus on defense. And then let's work something that we know works, yeah. in their opinion, better, which is a striking. I, I think it's a very flawed approach. I think if you're trying to become a complete athlete, you work everything. And people like Maya show that jujitsu is highly effective in MMA to yeah. this day. Yeah. To the point that... Other people fighting him have who he's lost to what Usman by points. Yeah, uh, he lost to Covington by points. He lost to Trevor Woodley by points. Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva by yeah, points. Right, like yeah, all these exactly. people who like finish people. They outpoint him. Yeah, yeah. They, they have to do everything in their power just to outpoint him, and not fight him like truly. Right. So, to me, that's interesting. Right, because yeah. they did win those fights with the current rules and whatnot. But it's like they kind of like. I don't know, to me, it's like they kind of bitched out of the fight in the sense that they didn't try to finish the guy. I think, actually, <laughs> of all the guys, Covington was the closest. At the end, he actually started letting some elbows yeah, in. He engaged in the ground. Fight, yeah. yeah, no, at the end, it was more of a desperation thing. Maya had to try to finish it because yeah. he was clearly out in the points. And he was trying to pull half guard, but he was already getting battered a bit from the feet. And Covington engaged on the ground and actually did some good damage in him. So, like, he's the one guy that could say, all right, actually... He was trying to beat the brakes out of him at the end, yeah. but everybody else was just kind of cheesing their way out to like a point win, you know? Yeah. Not very in the spirit of trying to finish somebody. Yeah. Because he was so dangerous on the ground that they have to respect it's it. So much. The respect proves yeah. my point. Yeah. Proves our case. Yeah. That's it it does work. It's you know in I mean? the story. So, like, to yeah. me, like, if those guys, they're beating Maya because their wrestling is superior, right? Yeah. 
And that's the problem. And Maya essentially now he's like, his asset is jujitsu. Wrestling is a complementary thing, but it's not as strong as these guys. And he has to play a game of catch up. And he's kind of already in the end of his career. Yes. A little bit too late for him, unfortunately. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, but, and not only that, but like Damien, like I said, he's not a very explosive guy. Like he's nowhere near as fast as like Tyrone Woodley, which is yeah. like crazy fast, right? Like some of these guys are so powerful and explosive because it's a fundamental feature of wrestling. You yeah. don't have a successful wrestling career unless you have like at least a summoner. You got to be like above average explosive. There's no way out of it. You get weeded out in high school if you're not. The selection process starts very, very young. Yeah. You're, yeah. Sorry, buddy. Spelling bee for you. Athletic, you know, <laughs> football, wrestling. It's true. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. do this at a very young age. Like the Soviets did the same thing. They call it the pyramid. You, you cut out the, you know, you end up with the very, very best at the very top. And those guys have huge funding and to be in the best athletes possible, right? And the American system is not so different. Whereas Brazilian just has none of that. It's kind of like, you know, train enough, win some tournaments, you know, you make it up there. But, like, you get guys that, just because it's a static kind of strength. Yeah. And doesn't necessarily translate as well to MMA, in my opinion. Yeah. Right? No, no, sure. um, but one thing, one thing I always interested, you mentioned, like, how wrestlers like to strike and they very rarely put time into jiu-jitsu. And I always wonder, like, why is that? Because jiu-jitsu is so much closer to their world than striking is. Yeah. I mean, when you're a wrestler, the way I, this is why, like, if you're a D1 wrestler, you're a black belt at everything except submissions and fighting off your back. If once you add, you learn a little bit off your back. You know, the fundamentals, I think everyone should know, just at least to get back up, right? Mm -hmm. And you learn some guillotine, some rear naked choke, some arm bars, some kimuras, whatever. Now you're like a step away from being a black belt at everything because you're already your takedowns are already superior on average, yeah. right? To most BJJ black belts, um, your base is phenomenal. You know, understand top control. Like you have all these tools; they're all there. It's just that they was almost like I don't. I really want to learn this whole new skill set versus pushing this much time into something that's very, very close to my world. And I wish that they weren't like that. And I wonder why that is. I think that one reason is maybe they're bored of grappling. They've been grappling their whole life. And BJJ's BJJ is so close, they're excited about knocking people out because they never got to do that. Maybe the knockout is exciting. Maybe because there's a cultural clash there where you get all these Brazilian instructors and these Iowa wrestlers are going to go, I'm not going to learn from that Brazilian. This is kind of like, oh, it's not American, right? Like it's Brazilian or something. I made some resistance there. Um, people that are like overly nationalistic, you know, you could see, I, I saw some of that extreme couture when I used to train there. Mm. There was a little bit of resistance there. Like they, they would learn, but like it was, it was like there was a little... This is not Americans fight this way, right? Kind of thing, and it's not it's not a majority, but there's some people that feel that way, right? It's a nationalistic thing, um, but like I think that I I don't know if it's boredom or they just don't like to grapple as much. They stop wrestling too. It's very common. I've seen this a lot. Extreme Couture. I was able to witness a lot of D1 wrestlers who um, just like their wrestling went like downhill, and they wouldn't realize like oh no because like skills like any. It's like, it's like a language, you know? Like yeah. you'll, you'll forget your mother tongue. A lot of people don't know this. If you go 20 years without speaking English, you'll forget it. Yeah, yeah, no, You know, sure. so imagine wrestling or jiu-jitsu or anything else. Like, so these guys stop wrestling and their skill set goes down. And I'm always like, puzzled, like, why would you lose that? That's such an important tool. You know, I believe that wrestling is, as far as a foundation goes, it's, it is the best foundation for MMA because it's going to be easier for these guys, these D1 wrestlers to transition to MMA than it is for other striking arts to transition because it's like the middle ground. Yeah. You know, I, I know Joe Rogan has said this a million times, but it does determine where the fight takes place. If you have that wrestling, you get to choose where you want to fight right. for the most part, right? Yeah. Not, you know, and, but like, to me, it's always, it's always been an enigma why so many wrestlers are so resistant to jiu-jitsu. You know, I started as a wrestler. Yeah. 
pretty much. I mean, I had one year Jikundo, but I didn't really compete in that. I didn't actually spar when I did Jikundo, so uh, I don't really consider that my base. I consider yeah. wrestling yeah. more of my base. And I remember my first introduction to jiu-jitsu in person was my brother because he was a year older than me. He finished high school wrestling first and right away found a place that was doing Balatudo, pretty much everything goes, you know, like back in 98. So he had, after a few months, he's like, Dave, I got to show you this stuff. It's really, really awesome. And I had the typical wrestler attitude, like, oh, I'm a wrestler. I'm going to kick your ass. We rolled, and he rear-naked choked me and armbarred me a bunch of times. He's like, bah, 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 bah. I was like, all right. Yeah. Like, as soon as I finish the season, <laughs> I'm going to learn this because yeah. I can't be destroyed by my brother, you know? And um, once I started training, I didn't, like, say, oh, I'm not going to learn how to, you know, do jujitsu. I embraced it, you know? I tried to learn as much of it as I could. And initially, I was very top-heavy. I think that's natural because I'm playing to my assets. I was... Doing uh, Americanas, uh, a lot of uh, ankle locks and heel hooks, neck cranks. But over time, I learned everything I can. You know, I don't get for the same reason why, if you're a wrestler, you wouldn't learn all these things. I think when I get people who are wrestlers and I'm training them, I'm teaching them all the top techniques first. Yeah. Right? I, on the bottom, learn enough to stand up. Yeah. And minimum. 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 Yeah, minimum. In my opinion, they should learn how to fight off their back. Yeah. And, but in the beginning, I'm, I'm thinking of comfort, right? Like, yeah. they're not going to want to be in their back mostly, right? So, like, okay, let's play to your assets, right? Play mm -hmm. top positions, learn to control, learn how to get off your back safely without getting choked. And then start forcing them to learn all the aspects of the ground. Yeah. Learn how to, you know, play a half guard, how to Z guard, yeah. a hose guard. You know, like, you have, you have to learn all these things. And I think as a job of every professional athlete yeah. to be exposed to every facet of the game. Like, that's why to me... When I see somebody who's been training 20 years and like, oh, John Jones has got his blue belt. It's like, what? <laughs> it's just for, just for a yeah, headline. Right, right. We're looking for a headline. Yeah. Yeah. Like, huh? <laughs> you know, it's like, man, like, we got guys, got amateurs. They're not yeah. even fighting that they're black belts in like, you know, five, ten years. And yeah. you're, you're a professional and you don't put the time into learning yeah. everything about this sport. It's like being a football player and not knowing all the rules. It's like, how are you playing football for a living and you don't know every... Yeah, it's crazy. Possible. It's crazy. You know, you, you That's should. where a good coach comes in, by the way. Yeah. A good head coach does that exactly that. I think another reason I just like thought of this is like it is so um it is so it's like blasphemy blasphemy for a wrestler to be on his back. So the fighting yeah. off your back to them is just like no, I'm not I don't want to learn any of that to me because it's so um it's against it's almost like an ideology somewhere. It's like you have to be on top versus like looking at things from a different perspective and going I'm going to end up on bottom, or this may be a tool I may have to use one day, which happens that every, everyone at some point in their career is going to be on their back, for right? For sure. Yeah. And it's crazy how they don't know how to stand back up. I was just commenting for PFL last night, and uh, a lot of Russians, a lot of Dagestani, very, very successful, very well-rounded everywhere, except one place. You put them on their backs, and they're like, like a turtle with their you know, belly up in the sky. Like they can't, they don't know how to move. Like no shrimping, no, it's, everything is bridging giving the back when they get on the fence every single one of them gets the back gives the back away and i'm like man like what you know you think that would spend because i think they have that wrestling sambo background where like yeah. there's no way i'm gonna be underneath you right so they never spend enough time training that right and i just don't i mean i would be terrified of going into a fight not knowing how to put my hands up yeah. oh i'm a grappler i'm just gonna shoot 
even if I could take 99.9% of people down with my first shot, I would still want to know how to put my hands up. 100%. You know, but then they go, nah, I'm not going to learn that particular skill though because I don't like it, you know. Um, this is what discipline is. And we've talked about this before. Discipline is not doing what you like. Discipline is doing what you hate, right? Yeah. Like if you like to play video games all day, you play eight hours a day. It does not make you a disciplined <laughs> video game player, right? right yeah. I mean, I'm playing eight hours a day. That's not discipline. Discipline is running sprint 6 a.m. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's uphill. Like that's, and I mean, maybe some people like that. I, is it, I think, yeah, just doing what needs to be done. Yes, you know doing what, I mean? what needs to be done. And if that yeah. includes learning a skill set that you don't like, that's, once again, this is where a good head coach comes in. A good coach is going to tell you this is what you're doing, which is a huge problem in MMA. More than BJJ, I feel like, where the fighter is running the camp. It's the weirdest dynamic. Yeah. But it's kind of because they have the money. So it's, it's how it's what happens is that yeah, they, they run the camp, not the coach. Yeah, it's kind of like that. I think we talked about it before. It's like the pyramid is upside down. Yeah. In my mind, the way the power structure in MMA should be should be coaches, athletes, promotions. Yes. Right? Coaches at the top, why? They're generally the guys with the most experience. They've fought, they've coached, they've been all around. So they understand how the game works yeah. and they're teaching the game yeah. to the next generation, which is the fighters. Fighters. You know, should be vied by the promotions, right? Like promotions should be fighting to get these athletes because, like, we need them to make our show successful. But the reality is, promotions are at the top, fighters in the middle, and then coaches in the bottom, right? Because, <laughs> because the the money is at the top. So true. You know, guys like you know, yeah. the Dana White has made the UFC. Oh, he's the boss. Yeah. You know, the the boss man. You know, and the essentially the fighters have to pour themselves out to get a spot on the show yeah. you know like and the, even like the, the show um who wants to be a fight i always get the name wrong Dana white the fight night whatever the thing is but the, uh, i can't keep up yeah, yeah. i think you got a tv show for that yeah, yeah yeah it's like you want to fight or I, I forget it but like you pretty much have to go balls out trying to win a fight to impress them like you can't yeah. just win the fight it's not enough it's like you have to go all like when, when did this become like a show to pander to it should be about like winning my fight to the best of my abilities because you got to remember yeah. with the ufc and here's, here's the thing the difference between something that is run to be a show versus a sport yeah because it leans on the pro business side yes so now we have a new belt you hear about that one i like we call it the it's badass, badass, badass motherfucker belt. Belt or something. i thought yeah. it's a joke right i thought it was a meme no, or something it's, it's a joke no they're dead serious about it yeah they showed the belt and like apparently the rock is going to be the one giving the belt out at the end and like it, it just shows like I don't know, to me, it's like for believing this, I guess it's to me, it's strange, man, because you have all this credibility, all these, you know, they everything to build something up, and it's kind of like let's just throw that credibility out the window because we're gonna make more money if we lose this credibility. I would rather have the credibility, but I think at some point the priorities get yeah. turned around. It's like you know what, just let's maximize profits. And business is very sociopathic like that. Anyone who's run a run a business knows this. Like you. You maximize profit. If you run own a corporation, you're looking at shareholders. That's the only thing you care about. You're not looking at like, you don't look at environment. You don't look at like, you know, workers, right? You don't look at like if this guy has eight kids at home and if he can feed them or not. You don't. There's no other value. It's just about money. Money is the only thing that, and from a business perspective, that makes perfect sense. But as a martial artist, as a fan of the sport, like I'm, I lean towards being idealistic in the sense where the the credentials um, the the credibility that UFC has gained as having the toughest fighters in the world the best fighters in history are in UFC you ever think about that yeah 
Well, you put them with the best fighter in you know ancient times, and they get killed. Yeah. You put Bruce Lee in an amateur, tough enough, an amateur event here, and Bruce Lee will get mopped. Yeah. I'm sorry, fans, but it's true. Yeah, it's My blue belts would smoke Bruce Lee in a fight. And it's not Bruce Lee's fault. Yeah. It's just that, you know, the thing is that the sport has evolved so much. So yeah. it's, we have all these amazing fighters and these, all this, these amazing skills. And, you know, we kind of lean towards turning the whole thing in a circus because we make more money that way, right? Yeah. And I to me, it loses some of the shine, you know, it's like. For sure you know, it does, right? And the whole point of having the rankings and having fights being sanctioned is to create credibility. And also to give people accountability of knowing where they're at and what their place is in the top of the sport. Because right? you have the champion and then who's coming up to be the, the next contender. Yeah. But when you can have, like, pretty much Brock Lesnar can fight for the title whenever he wants. If Brock Lesnar yeah. says, I want to come back and fight for yeah. the heavyweight title, yeah. Yeah. Def- yeah. Conor could too. Instantly, he right? He could talk his way and fight for the title right now. And yeah. that is, again, a demerit to the sport because now it's like, well, the guy who just fought to get that number one contender spot, yeah. worthless, right? Yeah, Floyd Mayweather, you think he can fight for a top UFC title tomorrow <laughs> yeah. if you want to do? In a yeah. heartbeat. In a heartbeat. You have this negotiation. It would be one tweet. And you see, when you say, oh, it, it makes sense business-wise, I have, uh, I disagree a bit, right? Because I think, sure, if you do Short-term, like, maybe, I meant. Short-term, yes. yes. Okay, I asked that. Because short-term, that works, right? And what happens is most people, if you're a CEO or whatnot, your term is generally not that long. Right, like what you're gonna be a CEO for five years or something like that. You don't have to think outside of that. No. Right? I just gotta think how am I gonna look good and make this company very profitable within my time span? Yes. Yeah. I destroy the environment, I, I do, you know, these crappy deals which are gonna fall apart in ten years. That's okay. I'm gone in five. You yeah. know. So I think it's short term uh victories that they're getting by ruining the credibility of what now long term is going to hurt yeah if you destroy the environment you have nowhere to live you're dead now yeah but, we, <laughs> but we're human we don't think we don't think right. 20 years ahead right, exactly. like, but, alone, but they, know, they keep saying you know ahead. it's not my problem you yeah know? it's exactly yeah. how yeah, that's why i said business is sociopathic like that because yeah. everything is not my problem i'm making more money but you're right about the short-term thing like i because i believe this if the, we are opinion makers right like me as, as an instructor as an instructor sure. as someone who has some influence some influence in the martial arts world right we form opinions. We are also hardcore fans. When did you start watching UFC? Yeah, 93. 93, yeah. okay. I started in yeah. 97, 98, okay. right? So I'm a, late, uh, I'm a latecomer when it comes to UFC fans, right? Because like you're right, so some people started in 93, 94, and they've been following the sport this whole time. You know, our opinion is valuable. But, you know, the average fan, which is the vast majority of you know, UFC's money, like the short term, right? Like yeah. the, they will switch over to NASCAR just like that. For them, it's a flip of a button. They go, you know what? I had it with this UFC thing. I'm just going to watch NASCAR and football and baseball or whatever, right? We're not going anywhere. Yeah. We're the hardcore fans that, exactly. you know, 20 years from now, we're still going to be not only buying UFC and watching it. Granted, I don't watch it very much these days. Uh, but we, we form opinions because people come to us. Like my white belt's like, well, what do you think of that fight? And whatever I say becomes, whether it's true or not or valid or not, like they're going to believe me because yeah. they have credibility with them, right? Uh and I think that they lose the hardcore fan base. And the UFC has done that a lot. Oh, I know for they, sure. They I, lo- yeah. I, I, I'm kind of like, it's kind of like, come on, guys. Like, they keep getting title fights to these guys that don't deserve it. I'm like, you know what, man? Like, there's a part of me that doesn't even want to watch it because I feel they, they're losing their fan base. I was just talking to someone yesterday who's been in it as long as I have. And he's like, I don't watch UFCs anymore. Yeah. Too many shenanigans. Yeah. yeah. He just looks at yeah. clips. 
that show. I'll up watch and, highlights. Yeah. yeah, but that's it. He didn't tune in. I think Instagram ruined it for the UFC too, because he'd put like a one minute amazing highlight, and that's that's all I want to see. I sports in general. I don't. Ha- I never. I've never seen a football game in my life. True story. I have never watched a football game from beginning to end, because it's just. No, but I watch the highlights. Yeah. But four hours on my Sunday, there's no way you can take four hours out of my Sunday to sit down and watch a game. I respect people who do. I'm just, you know, but I like the highlights. I, I think the Instagram kind of ruined it for me. Yeah, it makes it really regard. easy. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you, I haven't watched any other sport since I was. The last time I remember watching football was with Dan Marino. I don't even. I, I'd heard a name. Yeah. So Dan Marino was a, a NFL quarterback from the Miami Dolphins. When? Probably like in the nineties. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, I remember because my dad would watch it, so like it was a family thing. Family thing. We all watched yeah. it. But then I remember when Marino retired, it's like oh, no reason to watch football yeah. anymore. And I never watched any other sports since then. Yeah. Uh, I, and, my, and when they, once I started watching the UFC, like again, like when Hoist Gracie first entered, but, I but, saw that. I never watched any other sport. Like I don't, I don't get it personally. Like uh, people who spend like all their time I watching football, it. they, they tailgate. Yeah, it's it's amazing. But like, I don't know. Like I like MMA a lot and wrestling and grappling because I do it. Yes, I'm, I'm a participant in it, so I can appreciate it more. And on a very deep level, too, yeah, because you understand everything. Sometimes fighters get injured, and like. You know, we know he's really hurt. And sometimes I've seen this happen. This happened like last night. Like this Brazilian guy got kicked in the nuts three times in one fight. Jesus. Now, every, the third time, it was like it barely touched, right? Yeah. And then the crowd is booing like he's faking it. Like he just got kicked in the, within a five minute span. He got kicked twice. His nuts are so sensitive now. Yeah. I mean, if you can, you can just touch him and it hurt. So, yes, he's in pain. You know, yeah. we understand this because we know. Pain accumulates, yeah, right? But a fan that's yeah. never been hit head before in his life doesn't understand these things. So you can understand fighting from a much deeper perspective than the average fan. That's what the average fan misses out on. Yeah, you know, and that's like for me, I don't like, I, I can't really relate to other sports. Like I watch it, it's just, to me, it's boring. You know, I'm like, yeah. this is awful. I, like I don't know, I don't think any other sports is exciting in fighting. But my, I, my, that's opinionated, of course. But there's so much going on in a fight. Whereas, like, if you look at a, even a game of football, which is pretty dynamic, yeah. there's a lot of lulls in the action, you know? Like, everybody's got to get set. There's like, you have, like, 45 seconds between each play, you know? I know. That, that's yeah. the part that drives me nuts, man, is the yeah. breaks. It does, the, the, at least with rugby and soccer, like, I feel like I can watch a whole game nonstop. With football, it stops. Stats, commercials, 20 seconds of play, and 30-second break, stats, commercial. Yeah. It's like, I feel that four hours, four hours of game, you're actually really watching one hour. The yeah. three are like stats, commercials, and, you know, listening to people talk. So, I don't know, man. Like, I don't get it. I was exactly like you. I remember the last professional game I've ever seen in my life was in 2006. I'll never forget. I was in Brazil. I was watching the World Cup. Brazil was losing to France 2 to nothing. People in Brazil are committing suicide over this, man. Like, it's a big deal over yeah, there, yeah, man. Yeah. They're fanatics, right? And, and I'm looking. I'm disappointed, too. I'm like, come on, you know. Like, and I'm, I watch. I look at the expression of everyone around me, and they're all, like, like almost crying. Everyone's, like, panicking. And then I, I remember the moment. I remember the player, too. It's called Roberto Carlos. He's a very good player at the time. And he's jogging in the field. And he's kind of, like, smiling. Like, you don't give a shit. Yeah. And then I'm like, this guy doesn't care. He's a millionaire. He yeah. doesn't care. And that's when I realized, if the player doesn't care about the game, right. like, why should I? And that, that was the moment when I, was like, I kind of fell out of love with professional sports. And I never, haven't seen a game since. And the UFC, in some ways, is kind of leaning towards, like, money corrupts everything, I feel like. The more the sport has grown, it's been better because now you can make a living from it, and that's been great. But 
at the same time, I feel like it's corrupted a lot. The like that to the, me, it was like the two the, warriors. The yes, yeah. like the I like I'm, I'm I am very uh, in sync with the Japanese in this regard. I've always liked pride more than UFC, right? Because there was an element of respect there in the crowd that I have never seen in the UFC. Yeah, you know, I, when we got involved, at least when I did, there was no money in this at all, and uh, but we did it because. Just had something to prove. Yeah. It was an honor thing, right? It's like, all right, let's just go out there and see who's the toughest guy. That's what the original UFCs were all about, yeah. and that's like that's the spirit that I got into it. So it is great. I I love that there's now money in the sport and people can make a living, but it it does sap a little bit of the passion that some people have behind it. You know? Yeah, and understandably because they don't need to. You're not hungry, right? Yeah. You know, so I, I think it does take away from that a bit. Obviously, there's still guys that, out there that are savages, and you know, they'll just I think guys like Cowboy, <laughs> he fights on like a day's notice, you know yeah. what I mean? Like that guy just, he's out there just to I, I really yeah. respect people who do that, because yeah. I, I mean, for, you, for me to do something, I can't, I mean, I have to be a ridiculous amount of money, like, and I still lean toward, I guess, like, I, I really admire people that can take a fight like that. Yeah. Like two three days notice to me that's crazy yeah that's a gamer right there. yeah I mean, like the guy, you, the guy the likes the fight up. yeah he exactly. likes the fight that's but again guy. like sometimes i've been in fights in the streets and i didn't get paid and that was like a minute like not even a minute notice you know it's crazy how that is right yeah. i would be really willing to like you know kill myself on concrete with a stranger you know if it came down to it over not being paid at all risking like risking like going to prison yeah ruining your life you know going to you know all these terrible things but like two days notice in a professional fight in a safe and somewhat safe environment where you're getting paid all that. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. It's funny how that works. It's just the psychology behind it. I think it's a lot of people don't realize how, that's what makes fighting so tough, right? Because a street fight, there isn't any preparation, right? You just, somebody. It's a rage thing. It's a failure yeah, of reason. That's what someone, it is. Yeah. Someone bumped into you the wrong way or, you know, I mean, it's, those are ego battles. But sometimes a guy's just trying to mug you and he's going to kill you if you yeah. don't give the money and you have to defend yourself, right? But there's no planning. There's no forethought. It just happens. But when you say, it's very different when you have that, even in school, everybody's had that happen to them in school, right? Someone bully picked on you and you fought them right there, right? Versus the the time of, oh, me and you are going to fight in the playground at 5 p.m. tomorrow in front of all your buddies. Yeah. That's a very different situation. It's a very different situation. It's a very different situation compared to the spur of the moment. Yes, I completely agree. So that's what fighting is, but just on a much higher scale in yes. the sense that the stakes are higher. And uh, yeah, so I think that's what makes it so difficult because you have all the time and you're thinking, oh my God, this is going to happen. What could, this could happen. This could happen. This could happen. You're thinking yeah. of all the little possibilities, you know, like what can go wrong. The what ifs. The what ifs. And that yeah. just blows your brain away. You yeah, know? it's incredibly difficult when you think about it. I really struggled with that. Like knowing, like fighting with a set time, like you're going to fight on the 23rd at 7 p.m. It's like, holy cow. And all of a sudden, where it's like, yeah, it's like, if it's spontaneous, it's so much easier. But that's why everyone's tough when it comes spontaneous, you know. But oh, like, yeah. It's a very difficult thing mentally. I struggled with that. It was very hard for me. Like, I forced myself to do it. And I'm very proud of that because it was so difficult. I know, I remember well how hard it was for me to create the courage to step into a cage. Like, I remember, like, the feeling vividly, like, how difficult it was, right? Um, so I'm proud of the fact that I overcame that. But you kind of overcome it. You know, I wish, I think I, I, I can do it to some degree with Mike Musumeci did that one day. Oh, you just move it out of the way. You know, like it's, like it's an object, you know, like anxiety is just something you can like put in a drawer and keep away. And it's a very difficult thing to deal with. It's not for everyone. 
Yeah, yeah. It just depends, I guess, on how you frame the comp. Like for me, it got easy towards the end. I just enjoyed the opportunity. Yeah. I I guess it, the because I didn't get to compete as much towards the end stages of my career, so I looked forward to the opportunity. It's like, oh, now is my my time to shine. Yeah. And so I I always tell my fighters that you know, like this is the moment you work for. Nobody's sometimes you you could forget that you choose to step in the cage. Yeah. And the fact that it is a cage, it kind of feels like you're being forced. <laughs> and, yeah. and there's a little procession and you're being funneled in there. Yeah, like, yeah. if you don't have a reflection, like, damn, like, I don't, yeah. like, no, but you chose yeah. that walk. You yeah. know, this is you've been you, dreaming about you've it. You've been dreaming That's, about the it. The thing is, people dream often dream of the reward, not the process. Yeah. You know, and the trick to anything, to being good at anything in life is enjoying the process itself, yeah. the journey, right? Not the end. So when you look at jiu-jitsu as a means to an end, you're often doing it for the wrong reasons or fighting in general. Yeah. You Once you fall in love with the journey, it, the end is like a, it's a consequence. Like you don't even think about it. You're just like, it's like oh, we're, I want to be a UFC five, champion in five years. I think mean, that's a horrible way of thinking about it. Yeah. I want to be the best guy in the gym right now, tomorrow. Like what do I have to do? And then it's, it's a more realistic, hands-on approach. And I think a lot of people miss out on that. They, they, they want to skip that. They, what they really want is the reward, the yeah. recognition, they, the they money. They want to win. Yeah, yeah, which is nice, of course, yeah. but... You know, the most successful people I've ever met in my life, they were really, really focused on living in the moment, you know, and just like being better right now, not thinking too far ahead. My brother had this great analogy, and he would tell people before they're going to compete, he goes, look, Im- imagine that I have a crystal ball and I'm able to look into it. And I go, Robert, I see your match tomorrow. You're going to lose. Are you still going to fight? Good point, right? To me, yeah, I want to see how this. <laughs> moment, I want to see how this plays out. Yeah, you know, yeah. so like it's a it's, very good way of looking at it. I never thought about that because you, it kind of removes the. Like, yeah, you might lose, and that's okay. Yeah, you, know, you still want to do it because, like, for me, when, yeah. when he when he posed the question to me, I'm like, yeah, like I didn't hesitate. Yeah. Like I'm like, I I want to fight still. I want to know why I lost. How how come? Like I'm, I might and can I even, change my fate? Yeah, you maybe, might, maybe I challenge your fate. You know, maybe yeah. I'm gonna challenge it. Right. Yeah. You know, but like the point is, if I did lose, I wouldn't be like, oh, oh well, I, I'm gonna learn from that experience. Yeah. You know, but like I feel like if I put that question on somebody and they say, no, I'm not gonna fight, then maybe fighting's not for you, because it's a 50-50 probability you're gonna lose at some point. Statistically, yeah. <laughs> right. And over time, those odds get higher. You know, so if you can't even accept the possibility of losing, or that you know, I don't know, I feel like you're gonna get crushed. I think there's people who lose and they fall apart. Like, I mean, Ronda Rousey was never the same after one loss. She just completely fell apart. Yeah, one kind of Ronda, she just hated the show business. You can see it. Her interviews, she was just like grumpy. She's like, get me out of here. I, she could see, she's like, she did not like the attention. Even right. though she, it was weird with her. Like she craved it, but at the same time, she had like a love-hate relationship and with And she's in WWE like. now, so she's in the game. You know, I don't know. Oh, if it's, it's hard just, to say no to that kind of money, I guess. Yeah, but I think like she gets a lot of pressure. irritated with reporters and fans, like, all the time. Yeah. I've seen, like, I remember interviews of her. She's, like, being a total bitch. Like, get me out of here. Like, she did not want to be there. Probably overworked, too. I think the UFC kind of spread her a little too thin. Because she was, like, the big draw at one point. Yeah, you know? like, yeah she was. I think the, the only time in the history of maybe combat where a woman was the biggest draw for sales in sport? I don't know. Yeah, I she was, she was other... a, still is the biggest female celebrity that the MMA world has produced. By far. By like, far. no one's had come close. Yeah. But I think that uh, she was, uh, um, 
But where, when, when she was the biggest name of the UFC at the time. I think yeah. she was selling more than anywhere, everyone else, wasn't she? I'm not sure what her numbers were, but like at least from a brand recognition, she was famous the f- outside of the sport, right? Yeah. There's few people that have done that. Connor is one of them, right? And you have Ronda Rousey is one of them. Like yeah. You can just go to the random guy or a random person. You go, uh, do you know Ronda Rousey? Yeah. They don't know. They don't I, know I would bet Maya. nine out of ten they wouldn't know. Same thing with Connor, but like a guy like Damian Maya, no, they wouldn't know. Yeah. You know Tywan Woodley, they wouldn't know. That's it's crazy, yeah. Yeah, but there's some people like uh, the Diaz brothers. Maybe. I, I think. Yeah, maybe I think a lot of big chunks. Maybe 50% of people. Yeah. yeah. You know, so like those few people who transcend outside in our sport, although that seems to be growing now. Now you have, I mean, it's crazy with Masvidal, right? He's been fighting since 2003. Nobody knew who he, who he was like a year ago. That's true. I never, I, I, never, I just heard of him the first time. Yeah, very, very recently. It, yeah. To me, it was so weird because, I mean, George started off with me. back. It was the first yeah. MMA gym. It was with me and my brother for like five years or so. And he has the same personality as he does now. But, like, for whatever reason, he couldn't find a voice. You know, and, like, once he moved, like, he went to ATT and he's still with a big camp. You know, like, maybe, oh, we weren't big enough. But he still didn't get a voice there. Nobody cared about him. But then, all of a sudden, one big win with Darren Till. The little back scene scuffle. Now he's a superstar. Yeah, like it's weird how that happens. I don't fully understand. Like I, I don't yeah. get it either because yeah. like it wasn't like oh he he changed his personality. He's the same kid, and he's just as good. Like I mean, yeah. he, like he's not like overnight he became like spectacular, no, skilled no. fighter. He, I mean, he did have he's, two of the best wins he's ever had as far as the fashion. I mean, he's knocked out other people. Like, he knocked out Eves Edwards with a head kick, which was crazy. You know, Eves Edwards is an amazing kickboxer himself. And he's got some other big wins, but I guess it's just the timing of things. You know, it's weird how that works. But, like, you know, like, because I always thought, man, this kid's going to be a star. And then, you know, like, 10 years later, I'm like, man, he still hasn't. I mean, he's fighting the UFC and he's making some money, but he's still not a star yet. I'm like, damn, he just doesn't, I don't know what's missing. You know, yeah. like what's the the factor? And then that Darren Till thing brought him up, and then Ben Askren just pushed him over the moon. Yeah, you know? to the point where he's fighting for a made up title. <laughs> it's a made up title. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Like, it's who, there's nobody is, else that it, can claim that. Is there a weight class in that title? How does that work? I don't understand. I don't know, but like, it's kind of an honorable thing for him. Him and Nate Diaz, they're fighting for an imaginary title that's never happened in the history. Of any sport, I think, where they just made up a random Bad title. motherfucker. Like, was that yeah, like did that happen in boxing? Or like they just yeah. made up a new divisional title? Like, no. like so. I, I have no idea how they're going to run that. Uh, how do you earn a title fight for that title, and in what weight? Does it have to be a specific? Like, I don't understand how that's going to work. I have no idea why they spent, I, I, like, 50 grand on making the belt, supposedly, which seems... Oh, that's a drop. And like Dana White spends that it's much. A, it's a drop in the bucket, but it seems yeah. like what the hell they're putting in this thing. Like I don't yeah. think the regular titles are worth that much. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of be jealous if I was a champ. You can, you can get someone to charge a lot for something that's not worth that much. I for suppose, sure, but. you know. But like, I, I, if I was the champ, I'd be like, what the hell? Like, I want that belt. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, how is that going to work long term? I don't know. It, it's really confusing. sure they thought it. I hope they thought it through. And, it's really but, confusing, but I, I think that I guess the point I was driving home is that he became like a overnight sensation, yeah, to the point where they made a belt for a division that he could potentially win. So like, it, it, hats off to him that he stuck in for a long. It's a long time to be in the fight game, 
like 60 years. Oh, he deserves it. Yeah, he, that he, long. He, he, he that's like because Chael Sonnen too. Like he was, he was always good, but he was like one of the first to start the trash talking. I think he might have been the first in him and made really push it. And he he blew up after the trash talking, but he found his voice. Yeah, you know. And I think sometimes like there's that he had the personality. It was there. He didn't think he could use it, or someone maybe like a hey man, like maybe a manager steered him in that direction. Or maybe one day he just goes, you know what? I'm just going to be me. I'm going to say it and screw it, you know? But it changed his career dramatically. Oh, yeah. Right? And, and that happens. Well, I think some people, they just need to, um, yeah, find that little little key little component that's missing. Because I think there are a lot of Masvidal's out there. Like, oh, for sure. People that are very skilled, very, but they deserve so much more. I would go back to like ADCC when Tenkino actually complained after he won. And if you saw that, he's like, what else do I have to do when it's true? Like, yeah. what else does a guy have to do when you think about it? Like, he's probably, out of all the champions, the most accomplished one in, in a lot of ways. Because he's done gi, no gi, and MMA very successfully. Yeah. Like, who else has done that? It's hard. I, I, don't, I can't think of anyone else that. No, it's, it's, I mean, besides Damian Maia, maybe. <laughs> yeah. No, Damian did it very successfully. Um, yeah. But, like, I think he's just right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even, like, Kankinu's jiu-jitsu career was more successful than Damian's, even though Damian has made it further in MMA. But it's, you know, not a lot of guys. It's, it's a hard thing to do. For sure. Um. But for some reason, maybe because he's like doesn't speak English fluently, or maybe because he's a lightweight, you know, or because it's hard. To, like Bruno Malfasini mm-hmm. in IBJF, right? He's at 10, 11 world title. I can't keep up. He's the most like, successful competitor in history when you think about it, right? He doesn't get even near the recognition that Leandro Lowe and Bushesha get, for example. Yeah. Or you know, Keenan or someone. You know, they just and it's crazy because like it's nothing to do with his technique. It's just half. It's like a there's no voice. Yeah. You know? it's, it's unfortunate that, but it's a reality, right? That we don't reward people based on their merit nearly as much compared to their ability to market themselves, yeah. right? And just their general social capability. Yeah. I mean, because you're right. I'm sure we went to Brazil, we would find some badass guy that nobody's ever heard of. And he's just practicing diligently, and nobody knows who he is. You know? yeah. And you can do that in pretty much any sport in the U.S. There's probably some guy in the basketball court playing pickup games that could destroy people. It's just nobody yeah, has seen him yet, you know? Or he doesn't have the opportunity to be seen. That's the one thing that I think that's great about social media. It's giving people this opportunity, right? Like before, how are you going to get picked up by a major network? You need to... Be friends with the right people. You need to much. be friends with the right people. You need yeah. to be seen. You need to get on the... And you, you see people back in the day when they were filming the news, and they're, oh, they're trying to jump in. Yeah. They're oh, doing the little show, you know, yeah. like, get their screen time. Nowadays, you don't need that. Like, I don't even have, like, yeah. cable news anymore. I do everything online. Yeah. You know? Most so, people, yeah. Yeah. So now it's just get your Instagram channel, right? Start filming and hope that... It's, you, made, it, it's made information very democratic. And it raises all these questions about democracy, too, because if the expression from freedom and democracy is everything, I, everything else that came with that freedom, it's like, wow, that speaks volumes of human nature, right? Like, is that really who we are? Because I feel the internet is mostly used in negative ways. It's, it's got the potential, you know, social media has the potential to be, I, I find my high school friend, yeah, that's great, what you're describing, yeah, that's great, too. But again, you get the, you get some of the worst of what people have to offer, too. It's... It's almost like, um, I think I think a lot of ways social media, the internet in general has been, it's a window into human nature. 
you know, like what is the most searched thing on Google? Oh, we can, yeah. we can find these things out. Like what's the most searched uh, man and woman? Or the most searched right. book? Yeah, or you the can most see. bought book. You can, you can find these things out. And that right there, like, okay, that's what people are. Right? And to me, that's a scary, scary thought. I'm like, that's who we, really who we are? Fuck, are, are you serious? Well, it's not surprising, right? Like the, I think the number the one search thing is, in, is pornography, right? Yeah, like, no, without, okay, without that's a, that one I think surprised yeah. me. But the ratings for like the, the, the Kardashian show is like, no, you got to be kidding. Not, not that many people watch that show. No, that's impossible. No, nope, that's, that's the case, yeah. you know? It's funny because there was, I think there was a, a meme that was showing uh, different businesses and how long it took them to get a million customers, right? And it was like AT&T, X amount of years, this, this, blah, blah. And I was like, Pornhub, 18 minutes, 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, no, it's the number one thing. You know, it's funny, too, like, and, and I don't know if you've ever heard this, but, like, I've heard from, like, internet marketers and people that are really, like, tech savvy that yeah. porn has been leading the trend on the internet for decades, like, since the whole thing started. Everything porn does, it, like, people follow. There's sales for, man, like, everything. Yeah. If you want to find out what's going on the internet, you go to a Pornhub and, you know, what they're doing is what, all the other platforms, or not just porn, like everything else, yeah, yeah. following the next few years because they're they got the biggest audience, so they probably yeah, the have the most audience. Slurp. Yeah, they're, they have the most traffic, and you're talking about they're also dealing with video data, which is very heavy. Yeah, you know, as far as like they know their business, the bandwidth that they're going to need, and then you also have security issues; they can't be leaking out stuff like that. You know, they're a legitimate site, so it's pretty wild. You know, yeah. it's funny, but it's kind of. You say it's not surprising, right? Because the ultimate goal of everything is sex, pretty much yeah. at the end of the day. So of course, pornography is going to be. Yeah. But again, but, thing. It's, but it's funny because if you ask the average person, they're going to say, oh, oh, I'm, "What? Yeah, What's that?" Of course, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but it is a uh, it, it, it's it is a peek in, in into that. And just going back to what I was saying, like it was, um, I think that the Neil deGrasse uh, Tyson he had a TV show about the cosmos, and it went two seasons, I think. Yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> Yeah. So, so, speaking of cosmos, you got the stars. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but isn't that crazy though? Like yeah. when you think about it, here you have like a great mind with a great topic, something super interesting. And he's an entertaining guy. But too. He's, he's a very witty yeah. guy. He's funny, yeah. you know. I, I, you know, I feel like I should have watched both seasons. I didn't. <laughs> I don't have the time. But I, I, I would watch it right over the Jersey Shore, you yeah. know. But like you look at the ratings, and I guarantee you they're not even close. You know. So that's the scary part to me about about like the internet because it's I think it's a reality check for like hey man that's really what what is out there you know that's how people are well you know and I, I include my I'm not trying to say yeah that. yeah but we, we're, we're all part of that one way or another you know it's 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 who we are all of us and it kind of exposes you to other bubbles if you will yeah. right what happens is like if you are in a certain camp like we're like health athletes you know sports we're in this particular bubble and we wouldn't normally see outside of this right mm -hmm. like if we didn't have tv or internet we wouldn't know a world outside of that you know it's kind of like almost living on an, an island in a native tribe but internet essentially exposes you to other cultures and worlds that you would never ever interact with true and they seem so foreign and you're like what the hell is it people do that like i yeah. see stuff i'm like why are they doing this? You know, like the thing that blows my mind away, like is these people who like do that, like these smashing dances. I know you've seen it, like, like you'll see like this big black girl jump on top of a dude and like pile drive, and oh they do this crazy stuff. I'm like, 
That looks painful. Have you ever seen Surra de Bunda? <laughs> no, it's no. a Brazilian dance they had. So imagine a guy sitting down like like this on the floor, right? Yeah. And then this girl with a big fat ass, like we'll put her like shins and ankles on your shoulders and her hands on the ground like in a push-up position. And then she pushes her ass back and forth into your face and hits <laughs> you in the face with her ass. And the guys are just like lining up for this. Like oh, it's man. a big line of dudes just like ready to get like beat yeah, up by the guy. It's something like that. It's yeah. hilarious, you know, but like it's like, what is I'm, this? Yeah, I'm looking at that. I'm like, what planet am I on? Like, this doesn't look like a good time to me. You know? uh, but, like, but that's the thing. Like, we're definitely I, entertained. I'll give it like this. We've never been more entertained, <laughs> you know, like it's not, not I mean, like, like People talk about like the, the the circus and bread and how the Romans had it. I'm like Romans they knew nothing about entertainment. Like, we make them look like well, they're white belts. You know? we, yeah, we've been doing some really crazy stuff. I, I, I guess that's kind of how mixed martial arts came to be in a sense. We had what these different worlds like karate and yeah. taekwondo and jujitsu all meeting, and something amazing came out of it. That, yeah. You know what I mean? Like now we have MMA, and it's a I think it's an, an amazing display of collaboration between all these different styles and True. finding out how they fit together yeah you know? you know and you just i just thought of this but i think that mma in a lot of ways is an expression of something that is much bigger than mma it's it's an expression of uh, globalization you know because what you end up with what is mma if not the amalgamation of all these little bubbles yeah all these little bubbles came together and they created okay this is the best form of fighting ever created right it's called mma but imagine how that happens in other cultural aspects, not just fighting. Yeah. That happens with technology. That happens. I think that the tendency is for us as like in the world become more and more alike because of this. Because we are turning into a village. Yeah. It is a village in a lot of ways. It's a village with a lot of people. But I think that if we if we're around two hundred years from now, I think that everyone's gonna speak in like one main language. It may be English, Mandarin or something else, but I think every, the whole world will speak one language, will be unified eventually. Because that's what happens once, you know, you turn it into a village. People have to agree in the language. And it's happened in a lot of ways already. My Brazilian friends who never learn how to speak English, they all, their profile on their Instagram is in English, not in Portuguese. How interesting is that? Yeah. English has become the language of globalization. And I think that will happen with other, like fashion. Think about fashion. That's why traveling, like when Marco Polo did, it would have been far more interesting. Imagine being Marco Polo making it to China. Yeah. That's, that's a cultural shock right there. For that's sure. like going to a different planet. Whereas when I travel now, everyone speaks English. Everyone dresses the exact same way. They have the same cars, the same customs. The food is, you know, a lot of times is the same. Especially even Vegas, similar. Yeah. You know, it's it's the shopping malls are exactly the same. The stuff I buy is more and more similar. We have the main brands like Nike and Reebok are in every store. So, it, the world is becoming more and more alike. And even though it's, you know, it's a direct consequence of this globalization, but at the same time, it's like becoming less interesting. Like, I, yeah, yeah. It, I was going to say, I am against globalization. I think there's, of course, we want integration with everybody and we want to be able to have open routes of uh, information exchange. But I feel you lose some of the diversity if everybody is exactly the same. Yeah. And because then that means we're also all thinking the exact same way. Yeah. Which will make it much harder to get unique viewpoints yeah. and new ideas that are outside of the box. Yeah. So I, that's why when people say, oh, we should, uh, I guess that's why people, like, you know, follow the one world order type thing. They're yeah. scared of that. To me, that's one of the fears about that. It's just you're just going to have everybody thinking exactly the same. Oh, it's happening. Yeah, it's not a conspiracy it, theory. Yeah, like yeah. That, it's, 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 it's a, the, the tendency of any village, right, yeah. is for it to have one leader, yeah. one alpha. And that's always been, I think, in 100 years from now, for around, there's going to be one corporation on the planet. 
we're not going to have Apple, Google, and Facebook. Eventually, there's going to be one major corporation. That will be like yeah. the, the most successful form of imperialism ever devised. Because how do you exactly how this do you top thing all that? Here, you remember we were just talking yeah. about it. Google uh, sent me an email this morning. They bought it. Google just bought it. That's what's going to happen. Like you're going to have one corporation, two point three billion dollars or something yeah. like that. So now. Uh, Google also knows about my heart rate, where I'm at. What yeah, I'm doing. no, it's it's great. And then imagine like where what Julius Caesar would have, if you could explain the power of Google or Amazon, you know, or Apple, any of these companies, to Julius Caesar, he would have been like, what? like he would be like, what kind of power? Like it's so beyond anything any emperor yeah. has ever accomplished throughout history. It is so far beyond. Right, and we don't see it that way because we don't see them from a, from a historical perspective. When when you really put it like that, that's what we're talking about. For sure, I think government power. Like, there's this whole wave in, in politics about get government out of your life and get government out of your life. No one wants government in their life. I don't want to pay my taxes, and you got to really be careful with this because really, what you're saying is when you create that power vacuum, it's really what you're doing. So you're removing whatever is left of democracy and the republic, and you leave this power. Right, who's going to fill that the, that gap, the void? Well, the private sector, right, big corporations. So you end up with a world where you know, the private sector, which you are not accountable to your opinion unless you're a shareholder. So unless you're a shareholder, your opinion means nothing to them. It's a consumer, yes, but like yeah. their decisions of who, like what the, 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 the rules of labor are in Vietnam and, and China don't really, doesn't really matter to them, right? As long right. as you're buying their products. But you end up with this very dis, distorted, you know, thing, the world where like the power is so concentrated that I don't think, I don't, that's scary, man, when you think about it. Because we, we empires of the past pale in comparison to what we're witnessing at the moment as far as control, power, and overall wealth. I think it's just, once again, an example of a, of a distorted uh, concentration of power. Like I was yeah. talking about the MMA pyramid. Well, at least the pyramid of society now is people are at the bottom. And then it's like corporations are probably on top of government. Yeah, at, at they're buying. Point. They bought the government's sold. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's a kind of a blurred line because government can do something that could cripple. Yeah. But by the, by the token, then those people are not getting the the power they want and the lobbying. So it's weird. But anyways, I don't think our forefathers were seeing it that way. I was seeing How they were saying they? Yeah. people would be at the top of this yeah. uh, power structure. You know what I mean? And they gave power to well, government. Corporations became a person. Yeah. And when, once you do that, they're, they have the same rights as you. It's like, you okay, so I can outdo you then. Because now that we're the same, if I have more money than you, then technically um, but, you know, I'll rank you. And I think, that, I think that's kind of what opened Pandora's box when they did that. It's like now corporations are people, right? They have the rights, but not the obligations. Yeah, yeah. So how do you lose that game? All the rights, not the obligations. Right, so. No, it's pretty wild. Yeah, and those shell companies that went, they're like, I don't know, I think we talked about it a while back. How uh, Yoel Romero, he had won a settlement. I don't know, you even know, but he got caught with a drug test that he, you know, he popped for whatever reason. He said it wasn't him. Yeah. And then they checked the supplements. Turns out it was one of the supplements was tainted. Yeah. And he sued and won like a settlement of like $17 million or whatnot. And I was like, dude, that's crazy. You know? But I, where I, I did some research afterwards. Someone pointed out to me that. He didn't actually get the money. It was just he he won the award, but it was never paid because the company it was a shell company, and essentially it was there just to take the blame. 
So people are saying this is actually, he did cheat. It's just that he was, I guess his handlers were very creative and making sure that he was protected if he did get caught. You know? So mm-hmm. Also, like, the people that created the company were on his side. Yeah. Wow. That's in, man, man, see, sometimes I think I'm smart, and I'm like, I see, I hear this stuff, and I'm like, man, I, uh, yeah, I, the, I've never thought of something yeah, like that. That's crazy. Allegedly. Well, allegedly, yeah, <laughs> allegedly. But, like, but I believe at that, that level, like, imagine the machinations that go on when it comes to hiding your money and yeah. paying less tax at the corp, the highest, highest level, right? All these financial tricks to, you know, really, which I understand everyone wants to keep their money. No one likes to pay taxes and everything, but, you know, let's, if the republic is not there to defend the rights of people and do what's best for the people as a whole, not for individuals, you know, at some point, I think as a society, we fail. Yeah. Uh, if you come too much about what is best for, you know, like, I think some of these guys are paying like, what, 15, 20% in taxes a year, you know, it's like they get away with all these like little tricks, you know, that me and you, I mean, I, I don't have the power to do that. I don't have the knowledge to be able to do that. My accountant is not that skilled, but yeah. at the highest level, they, they get away with it, man. It's kind of crazy when you think about it, because it's not, it's not a very fair system. No, like when you have like, I forget how big the tax code is, but it's yeah. a ridiculous document. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> I think they have that meme where it says like, it's a conversation between a citizen and the government. He goes, oh, okay, so you want me to pay taxes? He goes, how much? Because you have to figure it out. What happens if I don't figure it out? You go to jail. Like, oh. <laughs> but you know the amount. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's silly. But Complicated, man. But anyway, um, yeah, we all over the place today, man. Yeah, we went. We went. Yeah, we, we, me and Dave, we started the show today, and we're gonna go. What are we gonna talk about? Like, oh, let's talk about the Damian Maya, Ben Asker, and we'll go from there. We end up talking about tax brackets. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll let's loop back to him real quick yeah. before we sign off. So with Ben, I wanted Ben to win. I, yeah. Oh, and that and that particular, that particular matchup we kind of did, but I wanted Ben to be successful in the UFC in general because I thought it would be great because it would give power to one FC and it would then set up a paradigm like, well, maybe the best athletes aren't all in the UFC. Yeah. And they're not the only game in town. Yeah. So it was my hope that Ben would go do well in the UFC. But it turns out it's been mired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? he, he had a controversial win over Robbie Lawler, you know, which I thought he was going to win, but I mean, it is steeped in controversy. Then he gets that knockout with uh, Masvidal. Masvidal, and which launches his career, and then uh, he gets run into Maya and gets beat. You know, and these are not guys who suck, but it kind of does show their argument. Well, one FC doesn't really have that level of talent compared to the UFC. And this yeah. guy goes to the UFC as this undefeated guy from Bellator and one FC, and can't even you know break through the top. Well, the ranks. thing is, I think that when yeah, every athlete, I don't know how Ben is, how old he is, how long he's been fighting, but like, you know, we think that, okay, you get to a skill level and like it's, it's to see how you are for the rest of your life. And it's not like all these factors like motivation and like injuries and age and like where your heart is throughout your career. And like people ask me all the time, Rob, why don't you fight? Yeah. Well, so and so is your age and he's still fighting, or so and so is older than you, he's still fighting. I'm like, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> this is a simple answer. I don't want to. You know, like, well, well you should. I'd say, I'm like, no, I don't. I don't have to. Why don't you? Yeah. Why don't you go fight MMA? Why don't you go fight MMA? Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, it's not. And I think these things change over time. Because like For five sure. years ago, what I'm saying now is blasphemy. You know, yeah. you quit or like, no, I just, my heart changed. Like I, I'm very interested in other things now. To me, like I, other things that I do today are more interesting than MMA. And I'm happy about that because 
I don't I, at least I heard this like once like it goes like this if you if you it's the same thing in life over and over it's like you're reading the same page of the book yeah yeah you know you want to try to read as many pages as possible. I, I enjoy that right so to me like finding a kind of step back so maybe Ben is kind of the stage of his life he's made enough money he's been very successful and he looks at it and he goes you know um I don't ha- you know he doesn't have the same motivation to you know he was saying that yeah, it's kind of like, a, what, what, what do I have to prove, man? Like, the guy's won, you know, he's so successful already in wrestling and MMA. He's rich. What else, you know? Yeah, he was talking about a post-fight, how yeah. he's he's considering retirement because he's managing his online training and he has a wrestling camp that he runs locally and all this. So, But he went into it because he wanted to prove he was the best fighter. But now that's kind of out the window at this point you know he he can't take back the undefeated you know what i mean he's yeah. been defeated now and i someone made a comment saying oh you know what a terrible trade that dana white did and then someone posted like are you kidding this is a wet dream he launched his career of a superstar now which is masvidal and he got one fc to look silly now because they're number one guy that they couldn't find someone to beat. Now it just got destroyed, you know, twice. Twice in a row, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, this is all that he could have wanted. And Dana White even That's commented, he goes, point. someone's been paying attention, you know? Yeah. So it's like, ah. you know, like, <laughs> It's such a, it's a good point. I think yeah. there's a huge win for the UFC. It's a huge right. win for the UFC. Yeah, but one, yeah. one is coming to the United States, though. They are. They, they're coming. It's a matter of time before they end up here. And I wonder what's going to be the acceptance into the American market. I think they're going to have some resistance because most of their champions are Asian. Yeah. A lot of their champions are Asians or non-Americans. And like, and it's, Dana would much rather have Connor the champion, because he's American, because he speaks English. He's part of the Anglo world, right, in, in that sense. Whereas Khabib is, I don't, you know, he's, he's Russian, man. He's like our biggest rival. Like, it's not the same thing. So the UFC would prefer American champions or English-speaking champions, at least, because they sell more tickets, as simple as that. Yeah, I know they're, the UFC is working a lot in China. They've built a UFC institute there. And I think actually even Fred Forrest, he goes over there every so often to work with the athletes there. So like, they're putting in money because they know that's a market that's going to blow up at some point. Yeah. You know, so they're putting in the ground roots. So I think one FC is just doing a counter-strike of saying, hey, we can take you out of your home turf. Also, yeah. or we could at least not take you up, but probably challenge you a little bit. Yeah, because it's, it's yeah. A, they, they definitely see the threat. Yeah. They, they're definitely are the threat. Like, one has done a really good job with their promotion. They, they're really growing in Asia, apparently. I think it's, I mean, that's like two-thirds of the world they, population in that region. They, so. they are like, they yeah. run as many, if not more shows in the UFC, I believe. At, at least because if you go, I'm on their feed, and there's new fights going on all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's just, I'll be honest, I haven't watched any. I, I see the clips. Yeah. They have some great stuff, good knockouts and stuff, but like, I don't know any of the guys. No, I know. I'm yeah. sure that the fight, not, um, the love was super high, but you're right. Like, I don't, I know some of them, but most of the guys on there I've never, never heard of. Yeah. You know, so that, that's a problem. They, they have to create stars and but it's they, difficult. You know, everybody has a hard time doing that. Bellator uh, does, you know, I think, you know, to the extent every promotion's ever come up, is trying to make a star that people are going to want to follow, you know? Yeah. Uh, because otherwise, why am I tuning into your show if the UFC is around? And the UFC has all the famous guys and marketing behind it that everybody knows what's going on, you know? So it's kind of like 
nobody's really NFL is football, right? Like, sure, you have like other leagues, but nobody's watching like XFL or other stuff. Anybody yeah. watches NFL? Yeah, right? yeah. So UFC has put themselves in that position where they are MMA, and everybody else is like under leagues. You know, like the you know, D1 they're working to be in the UFC kind yeah, of thing. Exactly. Like you're, you know, you're you fighting theirs to get a spot in the UFC. You know, so it's unfortunate that's the way it is, but that's the reality yeah, of the situation yeah. right now. You know, so it's tricky because for, I think for well, fighters it's better if there's more. Well, here's the thing: I don't see anyone challenging NBA or the NFL anytime soon. No, I don't see that. But like UFC is not; they have a monopoly, and they are the premier league, no doubt. But I don't think they have something that can't be challenged. That's the difference. The UFC can be challenged. I think it's, it's not. It's certainly. A possibility. I mean, I like I said, the NFL and NBA, not a chance. No way in the world is that yeah. going to happen. But UFC, I could see it happening. Bad management, some bad decisions. One keeps doing a good job. Remember, two thirds of the world population are yeah, no, in yeah. Asia alone, yeah. right? Probably more than that, really. So you know, if they keep building Asian champions, that means a lot. That's a lot of money, man. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of sales, and the truth of the matter is, the the, the American, Canadian, Australian market, which is probably Two, three quarters of the UFC's market. Not that many people, if you do the math. Yeah. Not that many the people. The only problem they have is that them that Western market is the highest paying market. Right? Like yeah, true. remember what happened with Pride, they went broke partly because they had some Yakuza dealings that ruffled yeah. everything up. But also the Asian pay per view is nowhere near in comparison to what American pay per view value. They, they pay every, a lot more. It's true. They pay a lot more. So American money, yeah. American pay per view value is the number one place to be, right? So like outside of that, it's like everybody else is fighting for scraps. So I'm not sure like the broadcast model for what like is one that is changing as Asia continues to grow as an economic superpower, particularly China, right? That is would that be that, because they're. Yeah. Well, I mean, look what they're. I don't know what their GDP was 20 years ago or now for that matter, but I know it's grown a lot. I mean, they're like a year, a few years away from toppling us as the biggest economy in the world, if they haven't already. So there is a, there's certainly a power shift here. And I think in a very like geopolitical way, like one and UFC are kind of expressions of that. Yeah. You can see that the Asian challenge to the American market, and you see the American market trying to break into the Asian market, like you described the UFC's presence in uh, China. Um, yeah, interesting. Like, uh, it'll be interesting how that plays out in the future. Yeah, it would be. And, um, you know, the other thing is the whole pay-per-view model is also changing, too. You know, like now, like, we have subscriptions that you have to join in order to even get access to the pay-per-view. So there's, like, a, a paywall, yeah. you know? So at a certain point, and everybody's now used to the subscription model. Imagine back in the day, you said to watch your favorite TV show, you have to pay 15 bucks a month. You'd be like, no, I just get cable or yeah. whatever. And now we're all been trained by Netflix and Hulu and all yeah. these things. Like, oh, it's normal to pay twenty bucks a month so you can watch the regular broadcast shows. Yeah. You know, so at a certain point, you have to wonder: is the pay per view thing going to disappear and people are just going to be like, I just pay for a UFC subscription and? Yeah, uh, it's. Yeah, I don't know if that model is. Uh, um, yeah, you're right. I never thought about that. I don't think because I, I that. would honestly, I'm. I already have Fight Pass. So I'm already doing it. You know. Yeah. So. Uh, it's not that much more of a stretch if they want to capture like a Wait, you get all the UFCs on Fight Pass? Well, no, no, you... Uh, you get lots of content, but You get UFC. access to the archive of all their content. But not the current event. Not yeah, the yeah. current event. You still have to pay for a pay-per-view. So what, you get like event. a week later, two weeks later? 
when is it going to be in the archive? Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, it's a good question. I'm not yeah. sure when it jumps in there. I usually get like some of the, the fights. Like, I'll probably get this, you know, the BMF title. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but like once every couple of months, I'll watch a UFC. Like, I'll buy a pay per view. Yeah. You know? Other than that, then I'll just look at clips. <laughs> because they're just they're they're pretty pricey, you know. If you consider it, it's like now like 60 70 bucks to watch a pay-per-view yeah and if you're watching all the fights that means like four or five times a month that's a three four hundred bucks you're gonna throw yourself under yeah to watch fights i mean even as a steadfast fan i'm like yeah, i don't need to watch it that much yeah. no i yeah. i that's the other thing like i just kind of i don't i see high level like i'll give you you know just maybe wrap this up like we yeah. if you're in the gym every day i see high level sparring and grappling every day Sure. If you if you put the average of if you had to put a number at the ADCC for example or IBJF Worlds or whatever and that is a ten, right? And that is the ten would be like this is the average of this event. It's a ten. I feel that that when I, I I look at my competition class, the average there is like eight maybe nine. I have world class guys in my gym, True, right? Yeah. I watch them roll every day. To me, that's like oh my god! If I have to see this event, it's like it's a little bit better. So it's not super exciting to me anymore to like I have to watch the highest level stuff all the time because I see it every day and it's like a notch below on the average, right? But it's I'm used to seeing high level fighting all the time, man. It's it's one reason why I believe that professional jiu-jitsu struggles so much. They have a really hard time finding what how a recipe, like a template that works, that is profitable and does not require artificial money being injected into this in that professional event all the time until the millionaire gets tired yeah. and that's it's a similar thing common theme in, in BJJ yes, right yeah. and it's uh, uh, it's difficult because you're in the gym every day you watch people roll every day it's not a novelty to see for you to see grappling you go to a jiu-jitsu tournament you know how many matches you watch when you go to a oh tournament yeah. you, you go to a Pan yeah. Ams you're gonna watch like two three hundred matches in a day like it doesn't stop man so for you to get home and pay you know twenty thirty forty dollar whatever to watch more jiu-jitsu on your weekend, it's kind of like it's hard. It's hard sell. Yeah, that's the. I think that's the problem with grappling in general. It's not a spectator sport. It's not. It's a practitioner sport. Yeah. Well, that they're trying to change that, but it's almost like they're going. They're swimming uphill, you know, because it's not. It's a. It's a. It doesn't. It's never worked in jujitsu. They tried so many times. The only model that works, and everyone hates them for it because they're the only ones other than Kip, maybe from Naga, and like maybe some other events, it's IBJJF. They, they make a killing. They're very successful. But their platform is not, it's not how much money flow pays to have their event. I guarantee you that's not what they're, that's, yeah. not, that's like a drop in the bucket. It, it's, it's from competitors. Comp competitors. Yeah. Like that's where the money is. Yeah, yeah. And it's very organic and sustaining, right? There's no artificial, well, we need a million dollars injected into IBJJF, otherwise we're going to go out of business. Like, pff, no. They don't, but like a lot of these professional events, if they don't have an angel investor coming in and dumping in another 200 grand, 300 grand into keeping that show alive, it doesn't work. I know this for a fact because we commentated for that Black Belt CBD Invitational. Yeah. I know how much money they spent. Yeah. And, it, you know, granted, the whole thing was organized in like 21 days, which was like a miracle. It, it's, it's, I'll, they're a lot more expensive than people think. Oh, it's the prize money that's expensive. That's nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's like not even a third of your costs. Yeah. You know, it's the it's the flights, the hotels, the production. Yeah. Like all of it, man. The logistics. It's it's a huge operation, and money goes quick. And there's a reason why people have such a hard time making jujitsu a professional sport. Yeah, I think what people need to understand in order to make grappling 
common, like where you can actually make money off pay-per-view sales and whatnot. It has to be adopted on like a household household level. Yeah. Essentially, there has to be grappling classes in high school, yeah. middle school, and whatnot, where everybody's doing it. Yeah. Because at that point, then essentially everybody has done it and can appreciate it. Because grappling is so um, technical that you can't just jump into it if you've never seen it or been training it before, right? Yeah. It's like if I was trying to say, hey, Rob, let's uh, watch this video on the technical processes of the diesel combustion engine. You know, be like, I can't make sense of this. It's not entertaining, you know, because it's very technical and you have yeah. to have prior knowledge to appreciate, oh, look at the beauty of this engine and how it works. Yeah. You know, grappling is the same way. It's very technical. So it's yeah. like, you can't just, oh, that looks Cute. Everyone understands that. a knockout, which is one reason why the rules in MMA are geared towards that audience because yeah. everyone understands a knockout. A lot of people look at a Kimura and go, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Like, they don't even see the lock, right? Yeah. Until it takes a lot of training. And even so, it's not as exciting as a knockout. And as a grappler, I admit that. I mean, in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an impressive way. You know, yeah. Like, I, I get excited about beautiful submissions, right? But it's, uh, it's, very, it's a much harder sell to the audience because grappling is difficult to understand. Yeah, it's like wine tasting. Yeah. If you just have everybody, random people drinking wine, they're not going to appreciate it like a connoisseur. And yeah. it's like, oh, you know, the, the origins. And the, See, I, yeah. I think wine tasting is, I don't think it's interesting at all. No, I look I at it, I'm going, what is that? Like, I just want to get tipsy and like, you know, get, get a buzz. That's <laughs> yeah. all I'm looking yeah, for. Right? Get... That's really what, you'll, what I'm, most people are looking for. Yeah. But I think that's, sometimes I think that's how people look at jiu-jitsu. Like, you nerds. <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's the thing, right? <laughs> Who cares? That, that's the problem. So like, wait. If people who want to make grappling like popular as a professional yeah. sport, they actually need to put the money in educating people. Yeah. They need to be trying to get into like high schools yeah. and middle schools and at an early stage kind of indoctrinating people into this martial arts in general. Because yeah. then it's going to be much easier to make headway because now you have a larger potential audience. Yeah. Right now we're still pitching to competitors or, or not even competitors, just people who practice martial arts. Right? So... Like, if we wanted to make those professional sports bigger for grappling, there needs to be more grapplers, you know, or at least people well, I, who at an early age have been exposed to it and can appreciate I, it. I will say this, though. The end of my business would be the day jiu-jitsu is an Olympic sport. <laughs> it's going to blow it for me. You know why? Because now it's going to be in schools. Why would you pay for a membership if you get it for free in school? Like, it's like opening a wrestling club. How hard is it to make money from a wrestling club? Oh God! It is like crazy. how many? I mean, how many like amazing wrestlers are like out of a job as soon as they're out of college because unless they land a job coaching somewhere, which is super competitive, right? Or you turn into a UFC fight, not a lot of options. Same thing for judo. Yeah. Like Ronda Rousey was a waitress, wasn't she? Like after the Olympics, I don't, I, I heard. I know sure I could be wrong, but she was yeah. like waiting tables as she was like an Olympian. Think about that, right? Until she started fighting MMA, I could be wrong. That's what I heard. So don't quote me on it. Uh, where it's because they're Olympic sports. So it's in a way for a business, it's, um, it's not good. I'll give you an example, I'll just in Europe, right? Yeah. Some countries, Scandinavian countries, France, you know, the government pays for everything in sports. They're used to getting everything for free, right? So you go to your judo training center, gymnastics, whatever, hockey, the government pays for everything. It's covered. They're like preparing you. They want everyone practicing sports for a number of reasons, right? Olympics. Overall health, well-being, happiness, keep kids out of, you know, stay away from drugs and problems, whatever. Uh, it's very difficult to charge them a membership, I hear from these gym owners. Because when they, okay, I go to the wrestling club and I pay 20 bucks a year. 
and they go to the BJJ gym. Well, we want 100 euros a month. They're like, what? It, it's it's you know it's it to them it sounds crazy. So they struggle. It's difficult to make money and have like more than you know 50, 100 students in the gym because of you know the that they're used to the government paying for funding sports. Uh, I. I, as a fan, as a practitioner, and there's no contradiction there. Yeah. It may sound like it. As a fan, as a practitioner, as someone who loves jiu-jitsu, I would want jiu-jitsu in the Olympics. I want what you're describing, where like a lot of people and maybe the membership drops and we have more people training and it's in high schools all over the country. As a business owner and someone who has two children and I have bills to pay yeah. and I'm dependent on this money, I'm like, no way. You know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a con- only a contradiction in terms of um, the fact that you know, as as a as a as a practitioner, someone who lives jujitsu, I coexist with these things. So it's a contradiction in that sense. Not that you know you can you have to be one or the other. Like I can love jujitsu, but not necessarily want it to. I would love it to be in the Olympics, but at the same time, like you know what, I don't want to stop making money. If I could figure out a way for it to be in the Olympics and that not change my income, like that'd be great. Is that yeah. possible? I don't know. Yeah, yeah it, it is a good. I'm point. not sure I worded that correctly. Maybe it sounds like a contradiction, but no, that, you, it, these things coexist. Yeah, I, I understand yeah. the point. And as a person who owns a school myself, I hadn't thought about it like that, which is a good point. Yeah, it's kind of like when the UFC was rolling around making UFC gyms everywhere. Yeah, and I remember a lot of school owners were worried because, like, essentially now we got a, someone like McDonald's opening up UFC gyms, yeah. they're gonna put us all broke. Turns out, didn't work out. Because, Best things ever happened. Yeah, actually worked in our favor. Yeah, it just brought more attention. Yeah, and but they didn't really have the quality because they end up at our gyms. Yeah, after six months of training, they, they switch over. Yeah, so it's kind of like a stepping stone. Yeah, you know, so it works out well. But uh, maybe, but I do see your point because yeah, there I I don't know of like private football clubs or I mean, I know they exist, but how profitable are they? Yeah, I have. Can no you idea. make a living from it? Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Right. So it is an interesting, it would create a problem in a sense. Yeah, because once people are trained to have something for free, they're not going to want to pay no. for it unless you can really demonstrate a lot of value behind what you're doing. And I guess it would depend who's running these programs. Like if they start getting guys like you and me to teach at the middle school, it's going to be a, <laughs> a problem yeah, for a privately owned school. Yeah. Like even if, if yeah. I... You know, the average BJJ black belt makes way more money than the average uh, wrestling coach, I think. You know, it has nothing yeah. to do with skill set. It has to do with just, like, BJJ has managed to be, like, an expensive sport, right, and still draw a lot of people because people will pay for just about any amount of money for something they really want. Look at how much money, you know, women will spend on a purse. If they really want it, they're going to – and that's, we, have, we have kind of become that in the world of martial arts. We're very, very pricey in comparison to – what judo and wrestling are, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, like I said, I'm two minds about it, man. Like I, I, if things did change, I'd be happy for future generations because they would get something I didn't get, which was going to the Olympics. Yeah. But it would break me. <laughs> I'd be broke. I'm like, okay, I'm happy for you, <laughs> but I'm broke. What am I gonna do now? I gotta, you know, become. Well, I don't know what I would do. I mean, I'm sure I could figure something out if I really had to, but it wouldn't be as good as this. You know, I'm very, very happy with what I do. Yeah. We work our asses off. Being a coach, gym owner is a lot more work than people think. For sure. It's very yeah. stressful. Very stressful job. But uh, still better than most jobs. Yeah, I agree. So it would be interesting. So hopefully. Yeah. Maybe it happens. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it happens when I'm not around anymore. <laughs> then you guys can make it. Going to the Olympics when I'm not around. <laughs> no longer. No longer here. All right. Dave, it was a pleasure. This was... Um, um, I always like our talks. They're very organic and 
but not very planned. We hope that you guys enjoy as well. We get a lot of positive feedback, right? Like people always uh, send direct messages on my inbox, like telling me how much they like the podcast. And, yeah, yeah. Um, it's very uh, underrated. I think it's a huge compliment. Like I think that uh, just gotta get the word out there and uh, spread the word. Yeah, you guys could do your part, help us out. We greatly appreciate it. You know, we're doing what we can. We try to, to get one, show. One, yep. uh, one out there a week. We've been pretty consistent about yep. it. So we're counting on you guys to help spread the word. And uh, send us some suggestions too. So if you guys got, um, you know, anything that you would like us to talk about, uh, something that, hey, maybe, you know, do this or do that or talk more about this, less about that. You know, we're, we're very happy to hear some, some positive sure. and even negative feedback. If there's yeah, something we that we're it. doing wrong. I'm happy to hear it. Like, uh, yeah, I don't we, take things personally like that. Like, if I get criticism, I always use it as a tool for growth. So, anything that comes our way, we appreciate it. Absolutely. You know, like, uh, we had, I, I was just talking to Robbie for a show, somebody had made a critique, and I was sharing with them so we can learn from it, you know, and see, yeah. like, what we can do to improve. So, um, yeah, we're always looking to get better. You know, so, again, thank you guys for watching, and we'll catch you in the next episode. All right. Ciao. Thank you for tuning into the show. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation here. As always, feel free to comment or send us an email. Again, the best place to find us is by visiting our website, breakingtheguard.com. And you can find all the different ways of subscribing to our content there and getting the latest information on our goings. So again, visit breakingtheguard.com if you need links to subscribe. And if you just want to send us a comment, you can find us on social media at Breaking the Guard. A final word from one of our sponsors, which is the Wrestling Switch Series. This is another one of my courses that is actually my second most popular course after the Kimura Trap System is the Switch Series. Most people in jiu-jitsu circles or outside of wrestling really don't know what I'm talking about when I say the Switch the switch is a classic wrestling reversal that's used. And again, one of those simple ones that you learn from day one, really, to escape from the bottom position. And this is in folk style wrestling where the bottom man has to work a way to get up, which is different than international wrestling where they just have to remain flat and the referee will stand them up after a period of time. So folk style wrestlers have that advantage where they learn how to get off their back. And the switch is one of the ways that they can do that. Now, what's interesting about the switch is that it's the same position that you would hit a Kimura from. And it turns out that they're like cousins, that you can, whenever you could do a switch, you can do a Kimura and vice versa. So you're going to see there's some natural tie-ins to the Kimura trap system from the switch series. But the switch also has a lot of ways that it can be itself a submission or transition to other submissions like calf slicers and guillotines and uh, all sorts of really cool stuff. So I think it's a vital tool, especially in MMA, where you have the cage, because it really helps you hit switches. Guys like BJ Penn, Frankie Edgar, Anderson Silva, all have used the switch in the UFC very successfully. And it's a really good tool if you're looking to counter takedowns like shots, uh, body locks, people locking you up from behind. You can always hit a switch from these types of situations. You can even do it from your guard and uh, off your back. So very powerful reversal, very simple but if you add this to your game it's going to give you a lot of ways out of situations you would have normally just given up on so you can learn more about it by visiting wrestlingswitch.com again that is wrestlingswitch.com